Well, today is a special day. Today's the day that everybody lost an hour of sleep. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So, right now, I want you to take a big old yawn and stretch and gouge the person next to you and say, Wake up! Your redemption draweth nigh. No, but, but, uh, to wake everybody up, it is, uh, it is early, uh, an hour earlier than we had this time yesterday, but we thank God for daylight savings time. I actually like it myself and, and I hope that you enjoy, uh, the extra hour of sunshine in the afternoon. It is supposed to shine today. I think next week it's going to go back to the liquid sunshine, but enjoy it today. Enjoy this extra hour of daylight. This week is, as I've been announcing, is our kickoff to our Easter campaign. And I would use another word but other than campaign, but I just really didn't find a, a fitting word. You could say promotional, promo, whatever, but it's our Easter campaign. Coming up in just a few weeks from now, believe it or not, it's going to be Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday, along with Christmas, are the two largest attended times of the year for unchurched people. That's the the opportunity for unchurched people to attend worship service is on Christmas and Easter Sunday. So we are excited about Easter coming up. We're looking forward to a great Sunday. But let me tell you what. We need to work together. And I think we will work together as a team. I need your help. Sister Sarah needs your help. We can't do it alone. But to, to reach the potential that we have on Easter Sunday, we need you. And that's what I'm going to preach to you about this morning. If you go ahead and bring up my PowerPoint, fellas, I'd appreciate it. I've got to cut this fan off back here. I can figure out how to do it. There it is. I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 14. And as, as you turn to your Bible to Luke 14, you're going to find there actually a... a uh, a series of parables that Jesus used in teaching His disciples. You know, I think about the Word of God. I think about last week with Faith Commitment Sunday. Faith, and by the way, we're not doing children's church today. We're sorry, but we we didn't know until the last minute we don't have anyone to staff it today. Uh, but in Luke chapter 14, you will find that uh, there that Jesus gives several several parables. Jesus told us to go and make disciples. He didn't tell us to go make Christians. He said, but go make disciples. People were called Christians because they were disciples or they were followers of Jesus. After the first Christians, as they were deemed, Christians were found in Antioch after they had been receiving teaching and instruction for uh, more than a year. But in Luke chapter 14, I want to go to one particular portion of the parables and that's in down to verse 16 through 23. As we read verse 16 through 23, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, 
I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. I just got married. Excuse me, I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry. That's the master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, this, a little bit of time elapses here. Sir, he says, I, I've, I've done what you've told me. I've done what you ordered, but there's still room. The master told his servant, then go out to the roads, the country lanes. What that means is, if you if you flesh this out, as one of my friends say, uh, often says, if you flesh this out, he said, go outside the boundaries of the city. Go outside the boundaries of your comfort zone. Go outside what you're accustomed to. He said, he told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I want to preach to you this morning a message that I've entitled, In Search of Bubba and Billy Sue. Okay? In Search of Bubba and Billy Sue. You see, in modern, if you look in the urban, uh, urban definition, years ago actually, Bubba meant someone's boyfriend. You know, Heath Madison's Bubba. You know. You know, but, and she's his Billy Sue. But, but, but if you look in the urban dictionary, you find out that, that, that like many things, things change and sometimes meanings change. And what has what occurred and what has happened is that you find out that Bubba now, because of, uh, uh, because of comic portrayals and, 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 uh, some, some other websites and some TV shows and even a few movies that come out. Bubba right now, uh, is more like the guy that you see pictured up the top right there to the top right hand corner. Bubba is depicted as being somebody, well, that might not be so desirable. Uh, so really he's probably not a Bubba. Is he, Marissa? Uh, is he, uh, Madison? He's not a Bubba, right? Yeah, he's not a Bubba. But Bubba is somebody that's that's really not so desirable. Bubby, uh, Bubba is somebody that 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 is uh, somebody that maybe don't look too good, maybe don't smell too good, maybe don't act just right, maybe has no manners, maybe what you know he wipes his mouth on his shirt sleeve, you know he he blows his nose in his hand, you know he doesn't know anything about Corona, you know virus and and protecting himself or anything like that. But Bubba, Bubba's just Bubba, okay? 
Bubba doesn't live in town. He doesn't live in the townhouse. He doesn't live in a nice uh, uh, subdivision home. Bubba lives up in the holler. Bubba lives in the last road, in the last holler, at the dead end of that road, in the basement, okay? Bubba lives with the chickens. Bubba may even have, and I've seen some Bubbas before, Bubba may even have a horse that has a just free reign of the house. Come and go as he please. Blew my mind one time when I used to pastor up in Grayson County, Virginia. I was driving down the, one of those little roads. It's a whole lot like just being over here, especially on over in McDowell County. Just driving down the road and, and, and I'm driving along and all of a sudden here's this little house. It's a little cinder block house. And all of a sudden there I see this horse's head poke right out the window of the house. Bubba lived there. But Bubba, Bubba and Billy Sue, it has a little bit different meaning than it used to. But Bubba and Billy Sue are, are, are those people that maybe feel like outcasts to the rest of society. I don't know. Then again, they may feel real comfortable for, for who, who they are and what they do and how they live. But, but to the rest of society, maybe they're frowned upon. Maybe they're looked down upon. Maybe, maybe they're a little bit cast aside. But I want you to know this morning, that as we read this parable and we study its content and we find that Jesus said that there was a certain man. It was just not any man, but it was a certain man. And as we look at the certain man, we find that Jesus is the certain man and He is looking and He is calling for everybody. I don't really know exactly where this is at. I just know it's somewhere in West Virginia. This is a typical picture to every single one of us in a manner of speaking that live in, that are in this room or live in this area right now. This is what it looks like as you, if you go just a few miles from here. Just a very few miles from here, you'll start seeing pictures just like that one in front of you. Now, that may not look like your home, and if it does, it's okay. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. Be blessed, enjoy, and live in it. But Jesus said this was, this was not just any man, this was a certain man. And this is not, this not just anybody telling us this. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus. That's why I had it printed in red for you this morning in the overhead. That's why in your scripture, more than likely, it's printed in red. But a certain man says that he has made preparation for everyone. It doesn't matter if that person has, has been a good person. It doesn't matter if that person has been done everything right. They have been successful. They come from a good bloodline. They have a great last name. They have a, they have a reputation, a family reputation that precedes them. That doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter if it's the drug addict on the street. It doesn't matter if it's a drunk laying in the gutter or in the jail cell somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's a prostitute that's walking up and down the road over here somewhere or the woman that's working the strip club up the road here a few miles. Listen, God made a way and He has a dinner prepared for whosoever will come and whosoever will show up. And what God is calling us to do as, as followers of Jesus Christ is to go out and make disciples. And we'll never make disciples if we don't connect with with Bubba and Billy Sue. So dinner was prior, prepared for everyone. 
But then the invitation came, and so did a world of excuses. To one man, his farm was more important. He's bought some land. He had to go look at it. Well, bless God, unless he is a very wealthy man and he bought a bunch of land without looking at it first, he may need some help himself. You know what I mean? But, but no, no, I've got to go look at my land. I bought some land. I've got to go look at it. I've got to decide. It, you know, you know this, 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 this here's Mr. Douglas off of Green Acres. He's got to decide whether he's going to have an orchard or if he's going to plant corn or if he's going to have a place for Arnold to hang out. You know, this, this right here, this right here, you know, this guy's got to go check out his land. To another one, he says, you know, his, his, his merchandise is more important. One says, I got a yoke of oxen. And, and certainly, certainly my yoke of, I, actually I bought five yoke of oxen. I got ten of them babies and, and, and I gotta go check them out. I gotta go make sure that everything's good with them. I, I gotta go check them out. Hopefully, he must have bought those online apparently, right? He didn't even look at them. You know, you, you know, we buy stuff online, let's look at a computer picture of it and we think we're getting a real deal. You know, I gotta go check out my ox. But then that, and you know, there's, then there's that guy. He said, man, I have found me a woman. I have found me a woman. My woman. My woman. My wife. And I can't come right now because I gotta go check her out. Check her out first. Don't wait. He already has. I'm picking on them. You know they're getting married, you know, in May. I'm picking on them just a little bit. But my wife, let me tell you. You know, some of you may have got a mail-order bride. I don't know. But I checked this woman out. I knew what I was getting before I got her. She didn't think I did, but I did. She's the one that messed up because she didn't know what she was getting. But but anyway, they, they made an excuse. They said, no, I'm getting married. I can't be there. I'm sorry. Well, let me tell you something. In this world full of excuses, I want you to know this. Excuses are not reasons. Excuses are not reasons. In particular, we're talking about going out and pursuing that the house may be filled. That's what I'm preaching on this morning. I'm preaching about finding Bubba and Billy Sue. But I want you to know, in anything that we do in life, especially in our Christian life, excuses are not reasons. You see, reasons are legitimate hindrances, whereas excuses are illegitimate. They are illegitimate reasons And there are, and basically this, excuses are for those that don't want it bad enough. Every one of us in here, there's, some are greater, some have a higher level achievement than others. I understand that, and I know that, and I realize that, but I also know that even whether we're a low achiever or a high achiever, most of us, if there is something that we want bad enough, we will pursue it until we get it, won't we? My wife will amen that. I pursue what I want, don't I? Amen. And you pursue what you want. And the things that you don't really want all that bad, it's not a problem to make excuses. 
You see, excuses are illegitimate reasons. They're really not reasons at all, is what I'm saying. They, they really have no root and they have no place. So what happens to this is where, where, where passion exists, excuses will flee. When we become passionate about something, when we become passionate that I want, I, I want that new, yeah, Lord have mercy. Here, here we were, went down, watch, we went down to Mount Airy, watched our granddaughter play basketball yesterday morning. And my grandson, he's down there, bless his heart, he has to sit there and, and play with these little toy trucks and stuff and watch all, he's got a backpack full of toys while these girls are out there playing basketball. And, 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 and he comes up to me, he says, hey, Pa, I tell you what I want for Christmas next year. I said, what's that? He said, I want a new Desert Eagle. Eight years old. Desert Eagle is a $2,000 gun. What caliber is a Desert Eagle? I don't even know. 44. An eight-year-old is asking Pa for a 44 caliber, $2,000 and some dollar gun for Christmas next year. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Tell Latrice there, you know. You know what? But, but if there's something now, I, I can promise you this. Thank God, thank God, praise His name. His Christmas list will change umpteen times before Christmas gets here next year. But, but, but as they get older, that sort of diminishes. You all know that. But here's the thing about it. If there's something that, that, that he decides he really wants, or there's something that your child or your grandchild, or if there's something you decide you really want, and you're going to go after it, and you're not going to make excuses, there is something that's going to drive you, and what's going to drive you is going to be a passion. You're going to get passionate about that new gun. You're going to get passionate about that new sewing machine. You're going to get passionate about that, 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 that new, uh, what's that high dollar purse we talk about all the time? Those real high. The, yeah, the coach purse. My wife said she don't want no coach purse. She said they cost too much. I said, thank you, Jesus. She won't, she, she won't even pay what a knockoff costs. I said, thank you, Jesus. You know, but whether it's a coach purse or a new gun or a new car, a new truck, a new house, whatever it is, if we become passionate about what we want, we will, we will go after it and we will do what we will do. We will work overtime. We will rake. We will scrape. We will eat red beans and rice. We will do whatever we need to do. We will go in debt for money that we can't afford to pay back, but we will do whatever we need to do to get what we want when we're passionate about it. And that's where we need to have a passion for Bubba and Billy Sue. If we will get passionate for Bubba and Billy Sue, we will begin to chase after them. You see, compassion is derived from the word passion. Passion is a fire burning. It is a burning. It is a fuel. It is a catalyst that will occur inside of us. Listen, you know what? I can't say that I have the talent and the gifting enough to do it. But I believe God can anoint us. I understand here a number, many, many years ago, here in this church, this church did Hell's Gates and Heaven's Gate and Hell's Flames or Hell House or something like that. They did a Hell House here at this church. 
And, 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 and they took all the black plastic and, and they, they took lighting and, and they depicted during the Halloween season or long enough there one back years ago what hell was going to be looking like. Let me tell you something. Part of our problem, my problem and your problem, part of our problem is that we really don't have the vision and the reality of what hell is and what hell is about because if we had an understanding of hell, we would be doing everything that we possibly can and could to retrieve everybody that we possibly can and could out of hell. Because I used to sing a song years and years ago that said hell is an awful, awful place. But sometimes I think that the church has lost the reality of hell. We sometimes, I don't even know that the church even even identifies with hell literally being a burning place of eternal torment. But if we would get back to the place where we have an understanding of eternity in hell, I think we would be driven with a passion that would cause us to go out and search for Bubba and Billy Sue. It's not necessarily about filling the house. It's not necessarily about having everybody around the table. But the thing about it is, it's about fulfilling the invitation that the certain man Jesus made that I have prepared this banquet. I have set forth everything that you will need, but people are not receiving it. People are not grasping it. So you're going to go out and you're going to go to the far reaches of the earth. You're going to go out of your comfort zone. You're going to go out of the proper place. You are going to go to the place of the undesirables. You're going to go to the place of the nuns, the nobodies. Nobody wants none, N-O-N-E. You're going to go to that place and you're going to reach them and my house will be filled. Listen, if Jesus, if He can cry, if He can call for the rocks to cry out in praise, don't you think He can call out Bubba and Billy Sue and have them to praise Him? But He is directing you and I to reach into those places and to touch their lives. So we see where passion exists, our excuses will flee. And I purposely use pictures of the culture that we live in. Because these are the people that we need to be reaching. You see, it was the desperation of the certain man. Because the certain man understood the certain man was passionate. It was the desperation of that certain man that you go out and you touch those lives of those people that so many are unconcerned about. You go out and you touch the lives of those people that nobody's willing to reach. But then... There's that compelling force. That compelling force. Because Jesus said in the parable, He said, I want you to go out into the streets and alleys of the city first. I want you to go out there where you live. Right in your neighborhood. Right right where you grew up. Right, right the people that you work with. The street you drive to work on every day. I want you to go out into the, into the city. I want you to go out there, but I want you to be attentive to the blind, blind the, the lame, the halt. I want you to be a very attentive to them. I want, but go to those familiar places. How many of y'all ever picked apples? Few of you. How many of y'all ever eat an apple? How many of y'all realize apples come from apple trees? Okay, who, do, who doesn't identify with that? Okay, 
Uh, understand, when, when I was a kid, man, we, 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 we made money. We did stuff wherever we could. And, and my dad, one, one summer or two there, my dad, uh, he worked up some kind of deal. And I always got drug in my dad's deals. You know, when, you know, when you're 12 years old, you get drug in your dad's deals. You know, when you're 13 years old, you get drug. You know, and my dad made some kind of deal with this guy that owned the apple orchard that we would come and we would pick apples on halves. And then we took the apples and we made apple butter and dried apples and peeled apples and eat apples and threw apples away when nobody wasn't looking, you know. And and, and I can remember. And and you know what? It was all good and it was all well. We had the apple picking sacks swung over your shoulder, big old white sack and come right here and you pick them apples and you drop them right down in the sack. All well and good, man. I can remember. And and, and this orchard, he had semi-dwarf trees, which, you know, I sort of can identify with that. And he had these semi-dwarf trees and, and and, and they weren't really, really tall. But I can remember them being loaded with apples. And we pick all these apples off and even get on a stepladder and pick a few more off. But even though they were semi-dwarf trees, then way up in the top were all these really nifty good apples. And my daddy, being the thrifty man he is, he said, well, we can't leave them on there. He said, we got to go after them. And he would take a ladder an extension ladder and just shove it up in that tree. And you can't shake the apples off because if you do, you don't bruise them and bust them open. But he would shove that ladder up in that tree and he would look at me and he'd say, <laughs> sign language. Let me tell you something. I was, I weigh more now, okay? I weigh more now. But I was the same size in the sixth grade I am now. I just weighed 30 pounds less, okay? I, I can remember going up that ladder many times and going up that ladder. And after you get Daddy saying, he's standing down to the bottom with his, he said, all right, keep on going, boy. I got it. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere until my weight gets high enough on that ladder. And all of a sudden, that ladder starts through the limbs of that tree. He said, just hang on. It'll catch you before long. And he was always right. You know, you get smacked through the face and got, got scratches up your arms, you know, and get beat to death by limbs, you know. He said, it can't go but so far. But you know what? My dad was right. There was some real good apples in the top of that tree. But they were a little bit harder to get to. It took more effort. And it seemed a little bit more dangerous. It probably was a little bit more dangerous. But it was easy to pull the low-hanging fruit off that tree. But the good fruit was way up in top. Lots of good fruit. And here's, here's the point I'm trying to make to you. Jesus said you go to the city first and you go around your city. You find the blame and the, the lame and the halt. And you go and you, you, you reach them and you touch their lives and, and you bring them in. But the servant said, I did all that, but there's still room here. He said, alright, get out of the comfort zone. Go to the country roads. Get out of town. Go to the places. Go climb up to the top of the tree where the ladder seemingly keeps falling. And you just hope that your dad's right when he says, 
don't worry about it. Something's going to catch you. You just go up there and you begin to pick from the top of the tree. You see, because that's where Bubba and Billy Joe live. Uh, Bob, Bobby Sue live. That's where Bubba and Bobby Sue live. That's where, that's where we're going to be able to go and we're going to reach these people and we're going to touch their lives. We're going to have to go to them. Listen, the days of them coming to us are, are, they're done. It's over with. Every once in a while somebody may drop in. But by and large, it's done. It's over with. If we're going to reap the harvest, we have got to go to the field. Amen? None of you, if you have a garden, you didn't put out tomato plants, you didn't, you didn't eat tomatoes later on, you didn't can tomatoes later on without going to the garden. And if you went to the garden, you got your feet a little muddy, probably. If you went to the garden, you probably got a little bit dirty. If you went to the garden, you had to get up early in the morning, perhaps, and go out and dust tomato plants to keep the worms off of them. If you went to the garden, it wasn't always the place where you wore your suit and tie, if you want to equivocate it to that. But what happens is, we have to go where nobody wants to go, when nobody wants to go, to a people that no one wants. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And he says use compelling force. Compelling means to be urgently irresistible. And when I read that definition, I thought of myself. Right, Sarah Jane? Amen. She thinks I'm irresistible. I mean, what can I say? Rest of you don't feel that way, but she does. And that's what's important. But compelling. To be urgently irresistible. And, and, and what, what it is, it's an anointed persuasion. Now let me tell you something. I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a 60's baby and I'm a 70's child. And I remember, I remember, I remember very explicitly when the days when you come unto the, the a holiness church and, and you come into the holiness church, especially if they didn't know you, if you're strange. Come on up here, sister. We want you to get saved. Come on, come on, come on. You know. And we'd drag them to the altar. And then somebody would be on the right side saying, turn loose. And then somebody would be on the left side saying, let go. And all the time they're spitting on them the whole time all that's going on, you know. And we used everything we could to try to make people be saved. And, and we, and I, I'm not saying that was wrong. I'm not saying that, that that was out of order. But, but we, 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 lots of times we didn't necessarily do it too well. We didn't execute it too well. But here's the thing about it. If we, we go out into the highways and the hedges, I, listen, I don't need to walk up to the biggest drunk in, the, uh, in Bluewell and look at him. Nathan's not the biggest drunk, by the way. I'm just using him. He's just a, he's a, he's just a little drunk. No. You ain't nothing but a drunk and you going to hell. Drinking that old liquor. Is on, you just going to send you to hell drinking that liquor. Now, you know what? You know what? You know what's going to take the, the, the drunkard to hell is not liquor. It's the lack of salvation and a relationship with Jesus Christ that's transformed and changed his life. That is the, it's not about the dope addict. It's not about the prostitute that you can look and say, if you don't quit prostituting your body, you're going to go to hell. No, it's not about that at all. But we're to go out and compel them. We are to urgently notify them that there is a table spread 
that's awaiting them excuse me, and a table for them to come and to be entertained by the King of kings and the Lord of lords and set at the Master's banquet with the best, best food and the best of everything that we could possibly have. But in order to do that, we've got to go to Bubba's house. God desires a full house. He desires a full house. Now understand that this this goes far beyond the church. Now, do I desire for us to have a full house? Absolutely. I hate mauve. That's the color, I guess you call it, of the pews in this building. I hate mauve. Okay? I don't like seeing it. I don't like looking at it. But you know what? Sarah and I came Sarah and I came here five years. Five years, three months ago, we came here. And I'll tell you what, I did not come in riding a white horse. I did not have a white suit. I don't have a mask, and that's not Tonto. Which means I don't have a silver bullet. And because I don't have a silver bullet, that's why I need, we need a church of people. That's going to go to where Bubba lives. And a group of people that's going to go and connect with Bubba's. And you don't go, even if you have to, go pick Bubba up and bring him to church with you. And sit on the pew with Bubba when you get to church with him and Bobby Sue. Billy Sue, whatever I call her. So as we go out and we search, because God desires a full house, we need to go search for Bubba. And Billy Sue. Because, as you've heard it said so many times, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's not going to be a certain class of people have a place over here. Sir. In fact, if you read early on before this parable, if you read the leading into this parable, uh, Jesus actually addresses, if, if the room is full, don't get up and say to one that comes in nicely attired, well, you can have my seat and leave the, leave the poor to, to find a place just to stand or, uh, or maybe they don't even get in at all. Jesus, Jesus gives us an example like that. The, 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 the ground is level in the foot of the cross. And the woman that has sold her body time after time, night after night, evening after evening, the junkie that stuck the needle in his arm day after day, multiple times a day, and he's lost everything. He's lost his job. He's lost his family. He's lost his home. He's lost everything he has. He's living under a bridge. He's living out of a, he's living out of a, a, a worn out uh, knapsack. He, he has an old raunchy sleeping bag that he rolls up in at night. Listen, he's just as valuable as anybody else in this room. He's just as valuable as the greatest doctor the greatest lawyer, the richest coal operator. He's just as valuable to God as anybody else is. But God is calling us to go to where Bubba and Billy Sue are at.